and welcome to the Dolby Anglican podcast. My name's Zoe and I'm one of the ministers here at Dolby Anglican Parish. If you'd like to learn more about the work of our church, please check out www.anglicandolby.org.au. This week we are on the last week of our Promise Maker, Promise Keeper series as we move through Lent towards Easter. And our passage today is all about Jeremiah 31 and how God is a covenant renewing God. We'd love to hear your feedback and we hope you can learn and grow from the sermon we have today. God bless. The first reading is from Jeremiah chapter 31, verses 31 to 34. The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and with the people of Judah. It will not be like the covenant I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand to lead them out of Egypt, because they broke my covenant, though I was a husband to them, declares the Lord. This is the covenant that I'll make with the people of Israel after that time, declares the Lord. I'll put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts, declares I will be their God and they will be my people. No longer will I teach their neighbour or say to one another, Know the Lord, because they will all know me, from the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord, for I will forgive their wickedness and remember their sins no more. Hear the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Gracious God, as we come forward today, we ask that you would open our hearts and minds, that you might write your law in our hearts, and we may be your people, and you be our God each and every day. Amen. Well, we are into our final week of our Lenten series of God as Promise Maker and Promise Keeper. I'm just going to turn the microphone off so it's not a double up. It's been enriching as well as challenging to walk through the Old Testament from Abraham to the Israelites wandering in the desert. And I think you'd agree that in the last five weeks, we've seen how God in his very nature is a God who desires relationship with us, works to mark us as his own, gives us tools to live as his people and shows us the way to live, even when we forget him and his promises. And that's just the first five books of the Bible. Today, we're fast forwarding a little bit. It's about 1500 years or so, from this critical time of the first covenant with Abraham and Noah and Moses to a point in the history of relationship between God and Israel that's a turning point. And it's a tortured history from up until then. The Israelites have tried and failed every way they can imagine to live life on their own terms. They've ignored God, they've crafted idols, They've followed a priestly theocracy where they've put humans in to lead who would say they're leading for God but haven't. They've asked for human kings like every other nation and they've even totally given up on any kind of leadership, having a time where they were leading a hedonistic, anything-goes, self-indulgent lifestyle. Unsurprisingly, this hasn't worked out well for them. And each time they've tried to ignore God's promises and live on their own terms, they've failed. Ultimately, the Israelites were overtaken by the Babylonians and lived in exile for 70 years. 
And it's here in the book of Jeremiah that we reunite with God's people. In the first part of Jeremiah, if you've ever read it, it, Jeremiah warns the Israelites again and again about the life that faces them if they keep ignoring God. And while Jeremiah is often labelled as a weeping prophet who preaches doom and gloom, his warnings are equally balanced with a promise of hope and a future with God for the Israelites. And it's in this section today, chapter 31, that we come to what um, commentaries call the book of comfort or the chapter of comfort. But if you're hearing this and thinking it sounds more convoluted than 10 seasons of the bold and beautiful you'd be right. And if it were a soap opera, by now I think I'd be throwing the cushion at the TV and telling the heroine to dump the no-gooder and get on with her life. But this is where this story is anything but a soap opera and it's anything but ordinary. Because despite how many times the Israelites have stuffed up, God has made the covenant with them, he's been faithful to them, he's shown them how to live, listened to their cries, fed them, and is still there with them. Not only this, but we see in our passage today that God takes this covenant to a new level. He renews the covenant with his people. He forgives them their sins and promises to be their God in their hearts and minds forever. So despite Israel's unfaithfulness, God isn't going to let her sin get the last word. Instead, it's God's faithfulness that binds them together. And in this beautiful text from Jeremiah, we see two clear ideas about God and about ourselves. We are forgiven and not forsaken, and we are empowered and not destitute. I'd love for you, if you've got your Bibles on your phones, your own Bibles with you, to open up to our passage today, and it's Jeremiah 31. So, as with any good soap opera, there's promises, brokenness, and anger. And in some ways, God and Israel are no different. Like I said, in the first half of the book of Jeremiah, the prophet points out again and again what Israel risks losing with God if she continues on this destructive path. And this is the covenant that God made with Israel back in Exodus when he gave Moses the Ten Commandments. But unfortunately, Israel keeps falling short. Even in the section just before our passage today, God's lamenting on how far Israel has strayed. It's worth noting that in human relationships, there is a point at which wrongdoing on the part of one party might be able to be forgiven, but the relationship breaks down beyond repair. And that's fair and it's justifiable. If one person's hurt, the trust may be irreparably broken. But this is where the relationship between God and Israel, God and us, is not like a human relationship. We are not equal to God, and God himself doesn't need us in order to fulfil himself. Our psalm today, Psalm 51, expresses this relationship when the psalmist writes, "'Against you, you alone have I sinned "'and done what is evil in your sight.'" so that you are justified in your sentence and blameless when you pass judgment. Even the psalmist knows that we are not equals in our relationship with God. 
but it is through God's faithfulness that we are able to ask for forgiveness. This is only possible because relationship with God is founded resolutely on love. So how much more beautiful is it then that when we read that despite the fact God doesn't need us, despite the fact the Israelites and we fail him many, many times, he wants us and he wants to redeem us when he says in Jeremiah, the days are surely coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. It will not be like the covenant I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, a covenant that they broke, though I was their husband, says the Lord. God, in his mercy, forgives our unfaithfulness. This doesn't mean he condones sin or forgets our wrongdoing. Scripture shows us time and time again that when we as humans fall short, Jeremiah also reminds us that time and time again, God forgives us. Throughout scripture, we see humanity's failings named and warnings given. But still, instead of passing judgment and washing his hands clean of us, God chooses to stand by our side like a faithful husband to guide us and lead us in a new covenant. He's done it before and he will do it again so that we might know God and have hope in the future he has in store. And even during our darkest moments of ignoring God, of doubt, of hurt, God never forgets us and he never forsakes us. He never washes his hands clean of us. He is with us to show us the riches of his promises that he's made known through history and he will continue to do so. I love it in the Hebrew because God says, I will. But in the Hebrew, that actually is past, present and future. So there's nothing broken. There's no, I'm done with you or I'll only do it for a while or I might in the future. He has, he does and he will. And they're all linked together. And this is what brings us hope that God provides us the hope through his forgiveness to empower us for a future, knowing that we are not alone and we do not and cannot do life by ourselves. I think so often in our lives, we look to break free from relationships and structures. We're looking for freedom from things, freedom from rules and freedom to control our own lives. On the outside, we say yes to following rulers and laws, but on the inside, our hearts are unwilling. It's like the face my kids give me when they go, mm, yeah, sure, mum, no worries. <laughs> or Mike has learnt the phrase, yes, mother, <laughs> with that particular intonation. And God realises this. And I think this is why he promises something new in this covenant. Verses 33 to 34. But this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my law within them and I will write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they shall be my people. No longer shall they teach one another or say to each other, know the Lord, for they shall all know me 
from the least of them to the greatest, says the Lord, for I will forgive their iniquity and remember their sin no more. God knows that etching rules on stone may be useful. He gave the commandments to Moses, but that alone will not change the human heart. While we might think that the body is strong, the heart is what controls the mind and the mind is what controls the body. So instead, God says he will write the law not on tablets, but on our hearts and minds. And as he renews his covenant with us and keeps his promises, he promises to empower us to keep our promises by dwelling within us and guiding us through our lives. He breaks through from being a God to write and to leave rules to being a God who lives within us. And this passage in Jeremiah is a glimpse towards the reality of the covenant we know through Jesus. The prophecy is actually echoed in Hebrews 8. And the writer of Hebrews says, But Jesus has now obtained a more excellent ministry, and to that degree he is the mediator of a better covenant, which has been enacted through better promises. For if that first covenant had been faultless, there would have been no need to look for a second one. So Jesus is the fulfilment of this promise, 600 years after it was first uttered by Jeremiah. By God's love, he gave us his heart, his very own son, to become human, to live as one of us, and then to die and rise again, that we might be forgiven. So it's in this hope, in this fulfilment, that we are empowered, not by our own desires or by human structures that fail, but by the love of God known through Jesus, written not on stone, but on our hearts. And I think, I hope you can agree that this is freedom. Not freedom from responsibility, but freedom for living with God in his covenant, knowing that regardless of what happens, God will be our God and we will be his people. The Holy Spirit will, can and does live in our hearts so that we might know God, know that we are forgiven and we might live for God. The psalmist recognises the depths of his own faults. He knows he has failed. He also recognises that he cannot purge himself of his own sins. He doesn't have the capacity for that. Just like the Israelites learnt that they could not be their own masters, they failed every time they tried to live on their own terms. Still, society so frequently pushes us to be independent and self-sufficient. We don't need no one, they say. I think this is a false image. Because where do we turn when life crumbles? Human idols do not save us. So when all around us seems broken down, we can look up to the living God who is with us both in life's triumphs and its greatest challenges. We are not alone. We are not destitute. And not only are we not alone, there is hope and there is purpose. Hope that empowers us not to live for ourselves, but to live for the God who made us, loves us, 
and wants us to be in relationship with him. And God empowers us not by obligation but through love to live in hope. We cannot and do not do it in our own strength. Thank goodness. So just as Jeremiah spoke words of hope, he reminded the Israelites that they weren't perfect. The psalmist speaks the words that we all feel, I think, at different times, that we've fallen short and that we need God. And the words we read today and every day are not hollow sounds from a distant God. This is a story that is anything but ordinary, where the God of all creation seeks to know us, love us and guide us. And no matter how much we ignore God or fail him, he is always there to keep covenant with us if we are willing to let him in. Friends, Lent is a period designed to encourage us to be open and honest about this, to be honest with the nature of our hearts and minds. It does so not to leave us empty and hurting, but in the knowledge that Easter, the promises of God made known through Jesus, is just around the corner. God comes to write the law, the knowledge of the love of God in our hearts and minds through his son. A God whose love for us is so lavish that he will never forsake us, he will forgive us, and he will empower us and guide us each and every day. So I pray that today and every day, you may have the courage to open your hearts to receive the word of God, his son Jesus, as the law of your hearts, and to live in hope that all may come to know him, love him, and follow him. Amen. Amen.